0: Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Strings. This is a musician's podcast that talks about the most difficult elements of being a performer. Whether you're an amateur player, you do this as a hobby, you're a student, or you're a professional, I hope that you can get something out of this podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pahomkin, and let's get right to it. This is part two of my interview with multi-instrumentalist and successful YouTuber, Brandon Aker. Brandon, one of the most impressive things about your YouTube channel is that it's sort of counterintuitive to me how the channel grew. Instead of branching out into more general kind of genres with the guitar, you're focusing on more niche instruments like the Baroque guitar, the theorbo. I was just wondering if along the way anybody tried to sway you to do the opposite. Did anybody try to tell you that you need to do... Finger style covers or you needed to do something that was currently trending on YouTube to make the channel more popular
1: you know I, I think I think that I when I got into classical guitar because I started playing in uh, rock guitar rock and metal bands and that, I thought that was my thing forever then I got into classical music and I remember thinking how niche it was how it's amazing that you can walk around and tell someone you play classical guitar and they go you play what they actually don't a lot of people don't even know what classical guitar is referring to. Um, so there's already that. I thought I was entering a niche world there, but then I doubled down and went to, went even, you know, more extreme and to the past with, with Baroque guitar and lutes. Um, and uh, at the same time, you think you're going too niche. What you're doing actually is you're carving out a bandwidth, which you know uh, more about than, than most people. And just by the nature of it being so niche. And the, the thing that I came to realize is while maybe it sounds too niche, okay, I did, I did also think that, and I, I surely would have never thought that um, a video about Theorbo can get, you know, so many views. But what I really thought, what what I've, what I've really come to understand is that personally, what was my experience when I discovered a Theorbo for the first time? I thought. This thing is crazy cool. It's a six foot tall lute that I had no idea existed. Why doesn't everybody know about this? Listen to the basses, listen to how they sound. What's that? They're made of gut strings, that's insane. You have sheep, sheep intestine strings. How is this not amazing? And my, that was my general, my my sincere reaction. And so it was, it was just one of amazement. And then I heard the music and I went, that's how the music sounds from 1604? I had no idea. How does it look? Oh my God, it looks amazing. I'd never seen anything like that. And that was all sort of my authentic reaction. And then when I realized, as I would do concerts, as you mentioned, like house concerts and stuff, where you really get to interact. And then every single concert I played, even if it was at a big orchestra or an opera, at the end of the show, everybody's up front asking about my instrument. I see their eyes light up. So I realized, well, look at the reactions. Look at the questions people have. Look at my reaction. This is something that actually, it's so niche that people don't even know what it is. And so I actually have the privilege of saying to the world, hey, check this thing out, knowing in advance that it's cool. Fiorbo is awesome to look at. It's, it's a beautiful thing. People don't even somehow missed it. You know, it's, it's amazing to me that it's not still a mainstream instrument. And I just think I, I have the, the privilege of being the one to with the megaphone to say, check this cool thing out. So actually digging down to find the right niche in this moment uh, helped me. As opposed to saying something new and interesting about Eric Clapton, which is actually a bigger challenge because there's a lot of people <laughs> talking about that, or you know, with channels that are similar. So you're fighting a, a you're fighting a bigger um, audience in that way. And where there was there, whereas there was no competition with talking about Fiorbo. and I think it had every right to be talked about. It just wasn't the conversation wasn't happening. So I, I, that's yeah, that's how I think about it.
0: So one of the things that really shapes the content of this podcast is the listeners that write in. A lot of them experience some of the similar problems and obstacles that I talk about on the show. Brandon, I wanted to hear your take on one of these listener letters. Mordecai wrote, I'm an undergrad and I had my junior recital in April. I've always struggled with performance anxiety as I feel I have to live up to the expectation that the audience has for me. I have always struggled with my self-image, so being expected to play well by my peers makes me feel like I can't let them down, which makes me more nervous. So for my junior recital, I tried breathing techniques all day. And as I sat down to play, none of it helped. I opened with the piece Woven World by Andrew York, which is a fairly easy piece, but my hands were shaking so bad I could barely get a single note out. I remember thinking, I couldn't let my performance continue this way. And I distinctly remember telling myself to get yourself in gear. And as the performance went on, I started to get more comfortable. But man, those first 10 seconds were an absolute nightmare. Brandon, have you ever gone through something like this?
1: Absolutely. Well, hey, Mordecai, I totally relate to this experience. And I've had that exact experience more times than I can count, unfortunately. Uh, I've thought a lot about this uh, more than than most people I've talked to, because I've had a, I've had a hard time with stage fright. Uh, this is not something that musicians talk about very openly. I hear more of it now than ever, but I think people are afraid to show their vulnerability. They're afraid to show their humanity on the, on the issue. Uh, I'm definitely planning a video, an extensive video on this subject because I've thought so much and read so much about it. Um, we could do a, easily a whole podcast on this subject, but here's some quick, quick tips. Um, the first thing is to know you're not alone. Even people who do, you know, even people who who play their entire lives touring the world have butterflies and have shaky hands and 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 doubt and all this other stuff so this is a issue that that is very you know ubiquitous you could say i've given hundreds of concerts uh for more than 10 years years—I mean, for longer than that but professionally for 10 years uh, every year i give hundreds of concerts and every single concert I, I deal with this so here are some things that really helped me um, first thing you mentioned are breathing exercises uh, those are indeed in- essential uh i found i do uh four breath uh, four seconds in a big breath they call it a buddha belly <laughs> make it you know swell your belly as big as you can hold it for seven seconds, out for eight seconds. And I do that as many times as I can th- even manage before the concert and even while I'm tuning. While I walk on stage, I'm doing it. And even during a piece, uh, you can just feel your belly swell swell, and then hold it for a second and release. Basically every single time I feel a little anxious, I can tell myself feeling a little fidgety and, and, and very um, yeah twitchy and, and my belly starts feeling the butterflies. Uh, I, I do this uh, because I think what happens is it's your fight or flight mechanism is being triggered and basically uh, without knowing it, your body thinks it's about to be attacked by a lion or something. So what you're doing is your body is preparing for something uh, extreme. And so you start to have physiological effects. That's the weird stomach sensations. um, That's the shaky hands, the sweaty palms, um, all that stuff. It, it's their their reactions and one of the first thing that happens when you start feeling anxious is you stop breathing well so in my experience um if you start with the breath always then that's the first thing because when you're when your body can tell you're not breathing properly that's when things start to shut down and things go downhill really fast you can even have blurred blurred vision and not be able to see your music and things can go really downhill so breathe 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 that's the first thing it sounds like you did that though so what do you do besides that. The one thing that really helps me is they call uh, bananas a natural beta blocker. Scientifically, I I don't know if this is true, but for the longest time now, I've been eating a banana about 25 minutes before I, I do a concert, and it somehow always makes me feel more relaxed, um, whether it's a placebo or not. In the moment, trust me, you don't care if it's a placebo. You want. <laughs> I'm very happy to have my banana. And when I don't have one, I'm, I I somehow am more nervous. I think, oh, I didn't have my banana. Maybe it's just a kind of a ritual. Maybe it's a mindset of this thing makes me ready for the concert. Whatever it is, I can promise you that it makes me more relaxed and more confident on, uh, to go on stage. Um, another thing um, is that you can never beat preparation. So if you didn't practice enough or practiced poorly, perhaps you performed the piece a lot, but you actually didn't work, fix the problems. Um, nothing can help you in that moment. I, I always think, however, you can play at home, you're gonna play about ninety percent as well on stage. Um, so you just have to accept that adrenaline, you know, is going to is going to affect your performance a little bit. But if you really can't play the piece well, if you can only get to ninety percent of the of the performance you want, well, then you can get you can get quite a lot lower actually. Um, another thing is before a concert, I really struggle. I can't eat food. It makes me, I, I'm, I feel maybe a little bit nauseous sometimes, especially if it's a big pressure event. Uh, I make myself eat something and usually I can manage fruit. So banana, even maybe maybe two bananas and maybe some fruit or something, but find some food that you can eat and make sure you don't perform on an empty stomach because that can contribute to the shakiness. Also make sure you're, you're hydrated. Um, and then the, the last thing I'll say on the subject, even though I could really could go into depth on this, um, uh, is that I found that mindfulness has really helped me, mindfulness meditation, uh, because it's it's a skill to stay in the present moment. And what happens is you distract yourself by thinking about what is the audience thinking? What, uh, what about that mistake I made? Uh, 30 seconds ago. Oh, I can't believe that I made that mistake. Here comes another one probably because this section is so hard and you mentally sabotage yourself. So it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, what if I mess up this piece and they all think badly of me? Well, then you end, you walk out there and you do it. It's a pretty easy thing to do, actually, to, to, to let your technique crumble in front of you if you are not in the present. So I recommend starting some mindfulness uh, meditation practice. It's very easy. There are lots of um, apps like Waking Up or calm that I use that are really helpful, and then what I really try to do is catch the thoughts as they emerge. So, as usual, ten minutes before the concert, you you're, you're feeling off, and you and if you start thinking, oh, I'm not gonna be able to tune. I'm, I'm going to break a string. I'm going to fall on my chair. They're not, they're not going to like it. Well, just notice yourself thinking about that. That's you thinking about the future and then bring yourself to the present. So you can do that in many ways. Breathing exercises bring you to the present, looking at something small and being interested in it, maybe reading a book, um, even distracting yourself with a game on your phone or something. The 10 minutes before you go on stage can be helpful just so you're not sitting there anxiously thinking of all the things that could happen <laughs> that could go wrong. Then when you're out there, Every time you you realize you're thinking about what the audience is thinking or a a bad thing that's going to, that happened or is going to happen, bring yourself into the present. So for me, mindfulness is about not, it's about noticing when you're thinking about something in the future or the past and simply saying, oops, let me just bring myself back to the present. And usually that means singing along with what I'm playing in my head or just enjoying the music. Oh, I love this next phrase. Here's my favorite part. Here it comes. Oh, that's so satisfying. You know, and just every time you notice you split off and start worrying about the past or future, you just bring yourself back. And that's really, really helped me a lot. So. I'll leave it there, but it's a really ongoing struggle for me, I just, I had a, I had a concert yesterday and uh, I got a little nervous, the first couple of minutes I was, you know, of course thinking about doubtful things, but then I just kind of centered myself, thought about, isn't it, aren't I lucky to be here with this audience who's appreciating this music, everybody's here to enjoy, so why not me? Why am I having a bad time worrying if everyone's here to enjoy? I'm gonna take part in the enjoyment. So I'm just gonna have fun now and and risk, risk not not doing well, and here's the thing, even if you risk, even if you make a mistake, no one even notices it ninety percent of the time. So let give yourself a break, uh, be nice to yourself, and have fun when you play a concert. It's no one's sitting there wanting you to to do poorly, and no one's counting your notes to see how many you got right. So have fun, enjoy it, uh, and try the, try try out those different methods uh, I spoke of. I hope I hope something in there will help you.
0: Wow! Thank you so much for such a detailed answer. We definitely have to do this again. It's been an honor having you on the show.
1: Well, let's—I totally agree. Let's do another one, and let's let's keep that conversation going. I think it's a really important topic that we need to sort of demystify because I do think people. Think that you get better and better and more experienced in playing concerts, and this kind of thing just goes away. Well, if it goes away at all, it's certainly not not accident. And an accident. This is a skill. You know, uh, being present is a skill. Performing well under pressure is a skill. Uh, there's nothing normal about sitting in front of an audience and doing something extremely complicated uh, in silence. You know, that's that's scary. <laughs> so, you know, that the, we have to develop these techniques to make those moments not only survivable but uh but enjoyable to to keep doing this as a career you know
0: you can check out brandon akers school at www.arpeggiato.com you can also check out his beginner guitar course at wwwclassicalguitar procom before we sign off this week i also wanted to respond to mordecai's letter something that really stood out about your letter was that you were doing a lot of breathing techniques all day. I think that because we're not in the right headspace on the day of a performance, we can compulsively start doing things that we don't normally do. One of those things could be over-practicing. We can start playing a piece many, many times over with a lot of repetition and tire our hands out completely. So then, yeah, of course you feel different on the day of that performance because you're thinking about it completely differently. It's important to try to get it into your head that this big recital performance is just another practice. So if you have practice performances that lead up to the recital, you should also have performances that are scheduled after. Here's the problem. If we keep ramping up to this one particular big day, one particular big day, we kind of psych ourselves out when we're finally going to get to this day and we finally have to play. We're going to think like, This is it. This is the big day. I really have to nail it. I really have to do it now. In addition to doing practice performances before a big performance that you have coming up, make sure that you schedule performances for after the big performance. I don't care what they are. They could be playing for friends. They could be a virtual recital. We have so many opportunities to perform nowadays that it's really easy to organize something just for friends or colleagues. If you have things that are scheduled for after this one performance that may give you performance anxiety, I think it takes the edge off a little bit. I hope that helps. And Mordecai, thank you again for writing into the show. This is Breaking Strings Podcast. See you all next week.